Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of This Is My Bourbon Podcast. I am your host, Perry. I'm flying flying solo this week. Boys got no co-host, but I do have a really good interview that's coming up for you with Jay from the Whiskey Raiders, also known as Take Whiskey Reviews. And uh, I'm, I'm really, really excited for you all to to check out that interview if you're new here welcome please go ahead and subscribe if you have not yet please also leave a rating and a review we read those out here on the show positive or negative sometimes uh but it is a great way for us to reach new people and new potential listeners for the podcast so yes, please do that. You can find uh, our glassware at whiskeyambitions.com. You just search for This Is My Bourbon Drinking Glass, and you will find our Glencairns right there. Super, super easy. And patreon.com is where you can become a supporter of the show for as little as a dollar a month. But at five bucks a month, you get all of our backlog catalog catalog yeah like our uh, our our last call which comes out the day after every episode our pregame chats which come out the day before i know i said those backwards but eh, it is what it is you know how it goes uh and uh yeah we got a bunch of bonus episodes back there as well that uh, have come out over the years so go and check that out patreon.com slash my bourbon podcast for as little as a dollar a month I think I'm going to go ahead and switch it on over to the interview uh, just because of how excited I am. You guys are really going to enjoy this. Had an awesome, awesome time getting to sit down with Jay, and I'm really looking forward to getting to do it again sometime in the near future. All right, that's it. Y'all enjoy the episode. Let go. I am incredibly excited. You know what? I realize that I say that a lot when I have guests on that I'm excited <laughs> about, but I can't help it. Uh, this is super cool. We were able to meet each other at the Repeal Day Expo, which was hosted by Fred Minnick back in December. This is Jay, also known as, and it is pronounced take, right? Yeah. Okay, it. cool. Because it, it's it's one of those things where I was like, mm, maybe it's to eight or something, but no, it's not a, alone. <laughs> good to know that I'm the same. I have some of the same problems as other people. Uh, Jay, you is also, uh, he is also rather uh, a writer for uh, Whiskey Raiders now on, uh, on, on the interwebs, as it were. Uh, Jay, welcome to the show, man. I'm super happy to get to sit down with you. Yeah, thanks, man. Thanks for having me on and yeah. taking the time and, uh, it's hard to believe that Repeal Day Expo was like three months away already. It feels like we were just dancing up moments ago. Literally three months ago, which is just... When you messaged me first, you were like, I can't believe that it's... Our... And like, it was at the beginning of January. And you're like, holidays just absolutely knocked me out. And like, yeah, I feel that on a very personal and deep, meaningful degree. Like, as soon as the the first of the year kicks off, it's like... I don't know. I'm just kind of flying by the seat of my pants at that point. And, you know, I, and I'm, I'm not one of those people to either go like, oh, just another day, another dollar or whatever. But, oh, yeah. it, you know, like you get into the routine and you're like, ah, it's, you know, I basically know what today is going to hold. And you're like, mm, it all just flies by so quickly. And, you know, there's also bourbon involved in there somewhere, too. But <laughs> that's different conversation. But, uh, Jay, I, I wanted to give you the opportunity to kind of introduce yourself to the listeners, um, talk about some of your endeavors, as well as uh, just why you're doing this thing, man. Why, yeah, why put totally. yourself out like this? <laughs> no, it's fun. I, I appreciate you having me on. Um, yeah. For, for the, the folks at home, 
Yeah, I uh, I go by Jay. My username across the internet is Take, so T-8-K-E. I'm the managing editor and spirits critic for whiskeyraiders.com. Raiders like Raiders of the Lost Ark, so R-A-I-D-R-S. Rad. And Great. I mean, that's my favorite movie, so I was like, I'm throwing this reference out there uh, it's, every it's, time I get. It's at least top 10 for me. I'll take it. I, I mean, yeah. If it's on TV, I'll never not stop what I'm doing to watch Ab- it. Absolutely. Absolutely. Which is like 100%. a top 10 hallmark for me. But <laughs> um, so, yeah, so I'm the managing editor and spirits critic there. We're basically the Rotten Tomatoes of whiskey. So, uh, you know, all the work I do, writing reviews, writing articles, aggregating bottles. If you're looking for reviews, information about whiskey, that is definitely the place to go. And we have all the uh, the other big boys of bourbon hanging out there and getting their voice in as well. So that's like my primary gig. On top of that, I do, good Lord, there's so many other things, but uh, moderator for our bourbon, which is, I think as of today, mm-hmm. 174,000. Oh, wow. That's awesome. Yeah. It's, it's gotten really big. It yeah. feels like just six months ago that we were at hundred K, but we're almost at 200 K. I'm going to run the barrel Fantastic. program there. Yeah. Um, and beyond that, I'm the founder of aficionados group, which is a group that picks spirits that aren't whiskey. So Brandy, agave, rum, and all that kind of fun stuff. So those nice. those three big things tied together uh, kind of make up my presence on the internet. But Whiskey Raiders is number one. I want to give everybody the kind of the clue in to what r slash bourbon is too, just in case there's somebody who, who might yeah. not know. That is basically the main page for bourbon on Reddit. Exactly. Um, and that's where everybody goes for, the, you know, they see the reviews and they see... Um, you know, people complaining about the the market and the industry as it is right now. Um, but first off, kudos to you for even considering being a moderator in the hellscape that is Reddit. I mean, I and look, <laughs> I love Reddit. I really do. It's a fun place to go and kill a couple hours. But at the same time, it is like bottom feeder central for some of the people who who lurk around there. And I'm sorry, I don't mean to offend anybody. But at the same time. Like there's, and it's not, I'm not talking about the r slash bourbon community. I'm talking about Reddit as a whole. Reddit <laughs> as a whole is just, it's, it, it's, it's a, mm, I'm not even going to go too much further, but uh, how, how did you get into that? Did you actually start the r slash bourbon? Uh, oh, actually, so I'm actually, I think I'm technically speaking, even though I've been around for five years now, I, I think I'm the most recent mod. So, oh, cool. Um, which is kind of fun in its own story. Um, I, I started like everyone else. I was a contributor and, and for sure Reddit is not for people with thin skin, but I like to think that the bourbon community is on the, the more welcoming side of things. Actually, Absolutely. Yeah. I wrote for a really, really long time and I, I moderated a really big other community known as Scotch Swap for a long time. And that was where oh, people okay. could um, exchange bottles and samples and that took a ton of work because, you know, everyone got flared. Every time someone got a swap, you had to update their flare. There was a lot of like crisis resolution. There was a lot of like uh, orchestration and like kind of logistics management. And then yeah. in the spring of 2018, when Reddit brought on a bunch of venture capital, they decided that some of those gray area subreddits like Scotch Swap or Gun Deals or some of the others uh, were, were maybe a little more gray area than they cared to deal with. So yeah. unfortunately... What I think would have been the right way is they could have warned people that like, hey, in 30 days, your your community is going to go away. But uh, because Reddit's Reddit, they decided that when faced with the the smart decision and the absolute dumbest decision, they 
they like pulled a Leroy Jenkins and they they went for the dumbest decision. So <laughs> they uh, they banned the the subreddit. I found out at the exact time as the entire community, which oh. was unfortunate because I was in a meeting at the time, and I had uh, oh man, I got I think I got seventy five private messages probably in the first ten minutes. So you know I'm in a meeting and my phone is just like just like jackhammering off the table. What what was the the fallout like that for you? I mean, in in you know, in some regard, there is a level of honor that has to be upheld, right? Yeah. With the uh, you know making sure that everybody does get the samples that they were, um, they they were promised in the swap. But what? How much of a headache was that as you were trying to pick up the pieces from? <laughs> Honestly, so the worst money. part too is is that Reddit went. Um, I'm trying to think of the best way to put this. Like nuclear almost feels a little bit too soft, but like nuclear works out. Um, at that point, there was no way, there was literally no way for us to pick up the pieces. There was no way to yeah. tell who had sent stuff, who hadn't sent stuff. There was like the subreddit was dead. Private messages were dead. They were rolling through people's inboxes. Like actually starting up the R Bourbon single barrel program, I got banned twice on accident because they thought oh, I was snap. trying to swap stuff. And I was like, like, here's my retailers. Like, here's my importer. Like, yeah, here's yeah, the yeah. licenses. Like, this is the most legal thing in the world. And, you know, it it took a couple of days, but I got on the phone with the actual Reddit admins and they're, you know, we walked wow. through it and they said, okay, like, all right, like, it's cool. Like, cuckoo, cuckoo, like, you know, headbutt, <laughs> man. Um, <laughs> but it was, it was rough for, for a couple of months and, and I've spoken about it before, but, and after that, I was kind of like, well, I have significantly less work to do because Scotch sure, Swap yeah, is just banned. Um, and our bourbon, you know, and, and a lot of, a lot of the mods for Scotch Swap moderate other stuff like our Scotch, like our world whiskey and bourbon said, you know, Hey, w- you know, we could use someone who's pretty detail oriented and has some free time. And it looks like you have some free time. Like you want to give it a shot. And I said, okay, you know, like I missed, like, I love doing what I do. Cause like getting the community together. And so I hopped on in our bourbon and yeah, yeah I think it was 2018 and, and I've kind of picked up the other big community initiatives there and it's worked out really nicely, but no, I think, um, I think the Colonel is, is the first mod. I've actually never met him in person, but I met the rest, oh, okay. the rest, I think either virtually or in person. So it's, sure. it's kind of got a, it's own storied path. Yeah. No kidding. And it it's, it is funny to kind of talk about a community like scotch scotch swap excuse me being just totally eradicated especially in the times of facebook bringing the ban hammer mm. down on the, the secondary market as well and how that has kind of altered to you know try to be more secretive i guess you know <laughs> but it, it, it it's it's a strange strange landscape for for people trying to find a way to elbow into the the bourbon community and and i guess to to some regard as well the whiskey community is large at large excuse me but it, it it's become such a meme almost that there's like a new bourbon secondary market that pops up every week and like from from the outside in for you who is a you know a critic of the products that are uh, shaped by and and that build this community. Um, what's been your response to things like the secondary market and the the shutdown and the kind of underground dark web almost like dealings to try to keep it afloat? Um, yeah, yeah. I mean, that's a really good question. I think I don't know. Like on both sides of the argument are are arguments that are almost as old as time themselves. Like some people are like, you know what, capitalism. I don't care. 
you know, and usually those people can buy whatever they want, no matter what day it is, especially like antique collection. Yeah. I'm somewhere in between. Honestly, what what I think is is most I won't say hilarious because it, it does hurt bourbon as a whole, but what I think is is most uh futile is I see lots of people who want to get into BSM version 13 or what you know, whatever yeah. number they're up to now. So they can, mm-hmm. you know, they they cleared 12 of these bottles off the shelf and they want to sell them at like $20 profit to themselves. And I think that's the yeah. funniest thing. Like, you know, you're going to take on all this risk to sell something like, you know, I'm by no means like a wealthy guy and like, I don't make like a shitload of money, but I would think that the effort to resell something illegally and then pack it up and ship it illegally would be worth like a little bit more than $15 after expenses. Right. <laughs> um, and so, and I say to those people, like, if that's how you want to spend your time, then like go for it. You know, I don't feel bad when Facebook smites you off the face of the planet as they do so often. But I, I, and that's like the personal aspect, you know, from a product aspect, I think it's interesting that people always ask, and I see this in lots of Facebook groups, they ask like, hey, I found this, I did zero research about it, but hey, Facebook, tell me, is it valuable? Like, should I buy the other 30 that are there to like make a quick buck? And I think that that's the aspect that bothers me most. Yeah. People have shifted from, you know, there's 200 products on the shelves. Which one should I buy because I'll enjoy it most to there's 200 products on the shelves. Like which one should I buy 100% of to make a quick buck on? And that's where I think uh, I become a kind of a critic of the secondary market. As of the products themselves, I think it's kind of clear when they come across my desk, like I have a strong sensation that this is probably going to become very difficult to find whether I say good or bad about it. And this other thing that is excellent based, you know, I had a four gate recently that I thought was amazing. And I was like, this is 200 bucks. It's probably not going anywhere fast either way. And Mm -hmm. so you kind of get those feels as, as you write about them, but that's kind of my, my two cents there. I want to ask you too about this, major shift that we of course saw in 2020 (laughs) with the you know everybody basically just being at home and and their purchasing habits changing and their drinking habits changing as well but at the same time there was this need that we all felt to maintain and and uphold the community that we had strived so long to <laughs> almost had striven, right. almost had striven, and I was like, ah, oh, that's not, that's not. <laughs> but strive to to build up and and you know allow to flourish over so many years, and with that, of course, has come drawbacks and and flaws, just as as it is with uh, with any new innovation. But um, at how how have you kind of adjusted, and and what has been the biggest change that you've seen? Uh, over the past year. I mean, we're literally in the same week yeah. uh, of the year. With, I mean, 365 days ago, people were starting to go like, oh, this might not be the best thing that we should, you know, hmm, I don't want to avoid this. So uh, yeah, yeah how, how, how have you uh, viewed the, the changes and, and what changes have you made as well? Totally. Yeah. You made a great point. So yeah, it was literally a, a year ago this week where, yeah. you know, everyone kind of loosened their collar and went, I, I think we might have a problem guys. Uh, we should go home. <laughs> and, you know, and it's funny. So I, I work in it, I work in software, I work in a role where I'm kind of always on call and I'm always ready to do what I do remotely, yeah. uh, which is kind of the Reddit mantra as well. Right. Um, I think it, it, it's hard to, to put this into reference, but of all people in the whiskey world, I think I was actually impacted 
the least. I was certainly impacted in, in lots of interesting ways. Most notably, you know, picking barrels is hard when you can't go to the places yeah. that you need to pick barrels. But um, pre-COVID, I was on the internet talking whiskey to all my friends every single day. And post-COVID, uh, I'm still here on the internet talking whiskey <laughs> to all my friends every single day. And it's interesting too, cause like, you know, I know people who are like, I'm struggling, man. Like I don't get to talk to all the people I used to talk to. And, and I'm like, I'm sorry. Like that's gotta be a really stark transition. And like, how are you doing? And, and I'm like, selfishly, I, I feel pretty okay. I'm talking yeah. to all the same people I talked to pre COVID yeah. and all the same mediums. Like it sucks. We can't meet up and get drinks together, but Reddit, you know, 90% of my Reddit friend group does not live in Wisconsin where I am. So we all, we all just kind of, you know, we stuck through it and carried on doing the same thing. But where I saw the biggest shift was everybody else, right? Like big in-person tastings, not a thing, big Ooh, festivals, yeah. Yeah. not a thing, big barrel groups, not a thing. And it was really interesting to see. Um, and I, I struggle with a, a good way to put this, but everyone move into the virtual world to like join me. Like I yeah. was kind of here alone, with all my Reddit friends, like on the computer doing bourbon via the internet before COVID. And then everyone else was like, oh shit, we can't meet in person. We need yeah. to do bourbon via the internet. And then they like <laughs> rolled on in and I was like, hey guys, like, thanks for joining me. You know, it's pretty, <laughs> it's cool in here. And and we saw a great thing. Like we saw whiskey from home by bourbon pursuit. And they're like, Hey, yeah. like you're on the internet, like join a panel. And I was like, hell yeah. You know, yeah. you know, just another day in the life repeal day expo, which was super cool, super novel, mm -hmm. super fun. Um, and it was kind of cool to see the whiskey world, not because they had to, because I mean, there, there was a lot of terrible fallout from COVID, but it was very cool to see a lot of people all of a sudden realize that, and especially people like, you know what, Reddit sucks. And like, we just hate bourbon on the internet. Like you got to do bourbon in person and be like, well, now we got to do it on the internet. Let's yeah. see how it shakes out. Yeah. And it shook out just fine. Like there's hiccups, people got better internet, people got better cameras and microphones, but, um, Overall, the biggest shift was watching the rest of the whiskey community decide that it was time to hop online. And I thought that was pretty yeah. cool. And everyone's done swimmingly as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, absolutely. I'd, I'd, I'd say one of my favorite things that has come out of uh, endless Zoom meetings and Facebook Messenger chats is that people actually buy headphones now, too, yeah. uh, because, you know, hearing yourself played back on somebody else's speakers over and over and over again. Well, yeah, it's the worst, man. It absolutely drives me crazy. And it, it's just, it's purely just the, the audiophile tech junkie in me where I'm like, I don't, I just, it's not that hard to plug your headphones in. It's oh man, I have a degree in film. And, and for a while I was just kind of like rolling, just like, <laughs> guys, like just find something to plug in, please. Just like <laughs> plug anything in. Like, I don't even care if it goes to your own headphones. It's like plug something in. I don't want to hear your speakers. I, I had a, uh, I had a microphone, a USB microphone for a long time that I was using for the podcast and I would use it to record music too. And I could just plug the headphones right into it. Yeah. Like that's, that's beautiful when you're starting out. It's like, exactly. I have literal immediate feedback. I don't have to worry. Anyway, that's just the, the difference between somebody who gets into podcasting or, or audio editing, recording, whatnot, and somebody who doesn't, but, uh, are you a, are you a born and raised Midwesterner? No, actually, so I've, I've been all over. I grew up in Seattle, Washington. Oh, wow. Um, and then early in life, I moved to the East Coast in Connecticut. And then that wasn't far enough. So I went to school in upstate New York. And then <laughs> in upstate New York, I graduated. And I had people in New York and LA say, hey, you should come work for us. But then a company in Wisconsin said, no, no, come work for us instead. And I said, yeah, 
the Midwest seems pretty nice. And yeah. I trucked out here and I, I've stuck it out since. I, I don't think, you know, I've done contract work in like Texas and stuff, but the Midwest is home. It just sure. took me a while to find it. <laughs> Did, were, were you able to kind of slot yourself into that whiskey community in the Midwest? And and also, what's the Midwest whiskey community, whiskey community look like? Like I know of, um, you know, like Speakeasy Wisconsin, of course, on Facebook yeah. and um, uh, Bill Robarsh, who's, uh, 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 excuse me, Beer Lovers Wisconsin on, yep. uh, on social media and listener of the show, good friend of the show. Um, but like, it, it, is it just kind of pocketed or does it feel a little bit more widespread like it does in some other areas? It's interesting. So, I mean, in Wisconsin, we have, it's kind of the whiskey lovers versus like the Corbell lovers. Like there's kind of like the, there's like a little <laughs> turf war. Right. Um <laughs> where, the, where there's like a couple of whiskey lovers and there's more every single day, which is like cool and stuff, but it, it's pretty regional. Like there's the Milwaukee groups, there's the Madison groups. Yeah. None of them are, are really large or cohesive. It's mostly groups that are just trying to move all their own picks and stuff, but it's, it's definitely not like Kentucky, you know, where there's, there's just like roving groups of, of bourbon aficionados just kind of rolling in everywhere. But yeah, the Midwest community is, I've mostly met people through the internet. Like I've met some sure, of my yeah. best friends. They're like, Hey, like I noticed that you are also from Wisconsin. And it turns out that we live like eight miles from each other. Oh, that's and then crazy. We formed like, like really tight groups. Like there's like six or seven guys that are like my closest friends. And we just like yak all day long on, on the internet and stuff. But you know, pre COVID we all got together. We would all share stuff. We'd split bottles. We'd have cookouts. And I see a lot of that. I don't see, like, I know a couple of the Wisconsin groups like get together for like a big event every now and then, but yeah. I don't see like Wisconsin as a state does not like rise up and be like, <laughs> you know, cause everyone's just like, like slugging back another Corbell old fashioned suite, but which is cool too. I mean, I, I always meet bourbon people like Miller Park, you know, and it was still called yeah. Miller Park and Brewer Games. And you'd see some guy, you know, rocking back some bourbon and say hi and stuff. So, I mean, the Midwest is the easiest place to meet people. I think it's just finding people who also like whiskey and don't just want to like whack back a shot or something. Yeah. But it's pretty open. It's pretty just it, as, as I was kind of saying that, it, it hit me, of course, that I know the folks at Jay Henry. And I'm yeah. like, oh, well, yeah, of course. That's a very prominent craft. Yeah, right down the road. Uh, yeah. It's awesome, man. They're they're such good people, and I I really do like what they're doing over there too. And I, I'm excited to see what they're going to be doing with it in the near future, as well as their products start to age up more and more. Yeah. So we we've we've talked enough, you know, just casual talk. I got to get to the <laughs> nitty gritty of it. Let's talk about Whiskey Raiders. How did this project come about, and and how were you kind of approached to uh, to head a lot of this as well? Yeah, sure. So for, for everyone at home, uh, Whiskey Raiders is a site published by Dan Abrams, who's a, a pretty cool guy. Um, he's the legal correspondent for ABC, which is kind of a big deal. He is the host of uh, Live PD when it was on air at A&E. So those two things are, are his biggest legacy. He covered, I believe it was the OJ Simpson trial uh, back many, many years ago. So he's long steeped in news and politics and and can, all that kind of fun stuff can but, i just say that my my brain as soon as you said live pd <laughs> that's where i knew the name from not from the abc which yeah, just that's 99 of people that's just that absolutely 
gloomy way. That's ridiculous. Anyway, I apologize for interrupting. No, no, totally cool. I mean, and like we, you know, Sean uh, Sticks Larson, his co-host, like we talk whiskey. You know, I won't say on the daily, but pretty, pretty frequently. And yeah, uh, Dan and I talk whiskey all the time. But so Dan, Dan has been a longtime wine lover, and in the wine world, oh, okay. uh, the wine world is rich with publication, and it's like very yeah. rich with like scoring and rating aggregation. So much so that. You know, Dan would be standing in the store and have two bottles of wine in his hand and say, I need a really quick opinion. And if you Google, you know, that wine, you can pull up any number of services that take all the experts ratings and they slot them together. And he would know like, okay, this is good. This is bad. I'm, I'm going to pick this one or other one. But in filming live PD and stuff, all of Dan's co-hosts kind of converted him to be a whiskey lover. And they were like, he would bring wine. Everyone else would bring awesome. whiskey. And he was like, you know what, this whiskey shit, like, it's pretty cool. But then, you know, he'd go home and say, hey, I, you know, I want to buy bourbon. And he'd be in the store and he'd have to read through, you know, okay, do I want to buy a Maker's Mark 101? Well, you know, I know that wasn't out when this got started, but it's out now. And to get like a really good answer, he'd have to go to four or five or six different blogs and like read through a long form review and, you know, kind of have to and like put together all those pieces for himself. And that's yeah. kind of cumbersome to do in a grocery store, or, you know, anywhere else. So. Sure. He got this idea, like, what if we launch the Rotten Tomatoes of Whiskey and we bring all the big voices under one roof, we give people an easy, like, kind of jumping off spot where if you just want the raw numbers, we'll give you a raw aggregate rating. If you want to read more from each of the blog sources, we'll send you off to their websites. And, you know, they thought that was a really lucrative and really valuable thing that was missing in yeah. the whiskey community, which it totally is. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Um, but then Dan realized that, like, hey... Um, I need this service because I'm not a whiskey expert. So we should probably <laughs> get one of those guys to run the site. And then, so they yeah. reached out to me. They um, had been fans on Reddit for a while. They had, you know, very cool. Spent a lot of time on Reddit in other communities, like the live PD community. They'd started getting used to like, you know, they're like, everywhere we go on Reddit, like we see your name. And then we realized like people understand that you know what you're talking about. So we should talk about maybe, acquiring your review archive we'll give it a boost to the site and we'll make you our awesome. our in-house expert yeah. and we'll we'll launch this thing and and i i kind of over the years i'd gotten offers here and there and mostly people were like wow we just need a, like an in-house influencer and i was like that is the last thing i want like i'm a, a yeah. science guy who just wants to give people you know valuable quick concise professional information on whiskey so this was this was the perfect opportunity so we joined forces and we launched uh, whiskey raiders Super, super cool. And, and I, I will definitely agree with, with Dan. I mean, the, the rotten tomatoes of whiskey is just something that it seems like a no brainer, but it takes the right group of people with the, the drive and, and the motivation to actually create this thing and make it worth everybody's while for, for it to actually be worthwhile. So I, I, I'm super super jazzed about the fact that it exists at, at all. I want to talk to you about your review system. So you specifically talk about how there's a, a kind of, and I'm trying to put this in my own words because it, it and I, because I agree with you, but it's almost like a, a very laissez-faire approach to reviewing whiskeys where everything is either low to mid 90 it low to mid 80s rather or you know on the on the higher end of the scale you know 97 and there's nothing there's really nothing else outside of that 
but you simplified it on a, a scale of one to 10. Yep. Talk about like how you, you developed that system yourself and because we we have a review system on the show as well, and I know it's not perfect. I, I know that there are some some flaws within it, but it's the one that we kind of have uh, rested our laurels on since we started the podcast. But um, what what have been some of the drawbacks that you felt might uh, have have come from your your review system as well? Sure. Yeah. So initially, and and I'll throw this down here too. When I started writing, I used zero to one hundred, uh, just like I felt like everyone else did. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I think it was right about like review, like 115 or 116. It had like kind of bothered me for a while. And I realized that A, and, and starting with myself first and foremost, um, I realized that I was not using a lot of the scale at all, um, which sure. kind of kind of killed me. Like, all right, so what 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 is the use of 100 points of resolution if I'm only going to maybe use 30 of them? And that's like being extremely generous. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then I realized on top of that, the, the, the whiskey community at large was pretty much stuck in like 84, it's like 96 or, yeah. eight, you know, in, in that kind of range. And, and I'd actually run into some people and it, it still kind of makes my blood boil. And they'd say uh, things like, well, you know, the best score I've ever given is a 94 and I don't think I'll ever give better than that. And I was like, okay, so you're not on the zero to a hundred scale. You're on the zero to 94 scale. Um, you know, like what's the point of having a hundred points if you're never going to use many of them. So I kind of got to scheming and I thought it was like, everyone's used to the American school system and that's cool. We all lived and died by that as we grew up. But, um, people would also ask me like, Hey, what, what would make you this 82 and 83? And as in tune as I am with like my pal and stuff, I was like, like, I'm not going to bullshit you. I have no idea. I don't know. Mm -hmm. Like, the difference between an 82 and an 83 is is not substantial. I could yeah. not quantify it in a way that is going to be useful for you as a reader. So I I kind of I like got this really big whiteboard at Costco and I like threw it up in my living room and I like worked on it for a week or two just because like and, and I'm like I have this weird personality where like it started to bother me and then like bothered me a lot and then it bothered me <laughs> even more than that. And I was like, until I solve this, like this is just gonna make me upset. <clears throat> And like, no one else is upset. Like, no one's like, you got to change this thing, man. It's whack. I was just like, in my head, coming from a math and science and engineering background. Yeah. I was like, this isn't right. Like, I got to fix this. And like, no one has to care about my ratings afterwards, but at least I'll know that I can trust them and like, think about them as being worth, like worthwhile. So I settled, I like did a bunch of stuff. Like I pulled up Excel, like I got the whiteboard going, but um, yeah. Long story short, I settled on one to 10 with five being a midpoint because I thought it was valuable. Yeah. Like I have used 100% of my scale. I use, I've given out ones, I've given out tens. Like people kind of complain like, hey, a lot of stuff falls in the four to six. I'm like, that's perfect. That's where it should be. It's in the middle of the scale. Yeah. You know? mm-hmm. and, and and over time, things kind of trend into like the five to six direction, which makes sense. Like I spend a lot of money on whiskey. Very routinely do I buy things that I think are going to be terrible. So <laughs> you know, that, that kind of checks out. But, and and surprisingly enough, after a year, a lot of people kind of were like, hey, you know what? Like, and people would send me messages like, hey, is it cool if I use your scale? And I was like, well, it's public domain. Like, go ahead, yeah. like, use it all you want. Like, I'm just yeah. glad that someone else thinks it's valuable. <laughs> and a lot of people have moved over to it, but it just kind of helps knowing that, you know, everything isn't going to be an 84 if it's bad. Like, it killed me. People were like, this is terrible. 82. And I was like, what? Like, if it's terrible, like put it below 50 or put it in the forties or put it in the sixties, like just put it. 
you know, you use, if you're giving yourselves a hundred points, like use them. And if you're not, then find something else. And that's kind of what motivated me to, I won't say fix it. Cause like nothing's sure. been broken, but in, in my own mind, like a scale that I could use a hundred percent of was my definition of success. And it's worked really well for me. Was it that, that year point that you kind of felt like things had, had started truly taking off for you? Yeah, I think it was probably about two years. So yeah. And, and, and I'll speak to it again. Like I come from an engineering background and, and I wanted to learn more about whiskey and I was thinking about ways that I could learn more. And in school, I just graduated from college, which I didn't tell people at the time because I was 22 and no one wants to listen to a 22 year old on the internet. So I thought it was best that maybe we just, we just pull that out of the picture. But, um, yeah, you know, I, I, I started my show when I was 24. Yeah. So kind of, kind of the same same boat there but i i also was probably a little too brazen about <laughs> my age at that point because i was like you know i and i think truly i was like the youngest bourbon podcaster you have to have at, been i, I can't that. imagine anyone younger yeah and i don't i don't know if anybody's has anybody overtaken me with that i don't, I don't think, think so. so yeah man that's that's bonkers anyway sorry i hadn't thought about that in a while it's no, just it, i mean <laughs> What, and I'm the same way. Like, you know, I, I shielded my identity for a very long time because I wanted people to disagree with my thoughts based on my thoughts alone, not just like this millennial jackass or whatever weird yeah, thought course. came into their head. I um, mean, now, I mean, some people to like, even when Whiskey Raiders launched, um, some people are like, you know, cause my info's out there. They're like, this guy's 28 and from Wisconsin. Why should I listen to him? And they're like, Oh, because he's written about 2,000 spirits. Okay, yeah, exactly. Maybe. And that's what I wanted people to see first. Like, just look at my experience. And like, you don't yeah. have to agree with me. Like, if you think what I'm saying is wrong, like, that's totally cool. But don't think yeah. I'm wrong because I'm not 50. Think I'm wrong because <laughs> I have like a terrible palate or one of the hundred other reasons to disagree. But uh, I think it was, I think it was probably around year two when I really yeah. got deep into the bourbon scene. Um, cause I told myself when I first started writing, I wanted people, I wanted to start writing and I figured that that would help me understand how much I knew and people would tell me how bad I was. And I would learn from that. And I told myself if I could just make it one week, like if you can write about one bourbon a week for the next week, like you'll probably learn something. And I figured yeah. I'd give up halfway. Um, and clearly that's not the case because we're God knows how many weeks deep at this point, you know, um, <laughs> couple thousand days at this point but yeah, you know it was like a personal challenge like if you want to learn more about whiskey like research the bottle write your thoughts people will tell you if you're on the right track if you're wrong like teaching is the best way to understand what you know about a subject yeah and i, I still think that's true and it, it's worked out pretty well but around year two people are like hey this guy's not stopping it i don't think he's gonna stop soon and they were kind of <laughs> along for the ride at that point yeah yeah i i, I feel that to a to a degree as well just um <clears throat> seeing the the community around my podcast grow as well and and being like oh th these are people who have either been listening since day one or came in you know on day you know 85 or, or whatever and they're like oh, i'm gonna listen to your entire back catalog yeah. like mm -hmm, okay sure you do what you you do want do what you want but you know I, it it is nice to feel that comfort of you know longevity almost with, with some of this so it, it and i'm i'm actually turning 28 in august so oh. we're we're like right join the club yeah right on the, right on the same like wavelength in terms of like you know <laughs> are, do people really take me seriously and it and it's funny because like at times i've been like 
I'm just some guy like, you know, putting out my, my thoughts on, on a spirit. But other times it's like, I really want to get my feelings out about this whiskey. Mm -hmm. I want to let people know how much I loved at the time, Elijah Craig, uh, uh, a one twenty last year. Yeah. You know, just I've raved and raved and raved about it. And you know, hindsight's 2020, I might not score it as high as I did then, but at the, at the same time, like, what do you, yeah, exactly. What are you going to do? You throw your hands up in the air and it was like, oh, I grew, you know, things yeah. have changed since January of 2020, very, in more ways than one, of course. Oh, but, a little bit, yeah. <laughs> but did you, did you ever actually kind of catch that flack of, ah, oh, this guy's too young. He doesn't know what he's talking about. Cause I've, I've had that a few times as well. I mean, especially, <laughs> especially early on within the first like year I think I, I had I had encountered that at least once or twice. So honestly, no, I, I haven't, and that and that is uh, lucky. <laughs> well, and I won't say I'm lucky. It was entirely by design. It was. I mean, even I think it was mid 2018. I was on Bourbon Pursuit. I did that behind a black screen. Like people did not know who I was. Oh I snap! So people did not know at that point. I was 26. Yeah. I, like I always wanted to remove the age and experience because I felt like there was so much bias. But I did. Um, a couple times, like people would say, Hey man, I'm going to be in Milwaukee. Um, I've been reading your shit for a really long time. I think it'd yeah. be a dream to meet you. And I was like, Hey, that's awkward. Like don't <laughs> dream about me, but like super cool. I was like, hell yeah. Like let's meet up for a drink. And I could always tell, and everyone was super polite and everyone was the nicest, but I could always tell when I wandered through that door that, that they were, I was not the person they were looking for. They were looking for like an old ass dude with like a, like a Gandalf beard. They were looking for Fred Minnick almost or. Yeah. Yeah. You know, that yeah. beautiful ascot. Yeah. They were just waiting for that ascot to just wander through the door. And you know, and I'd be like, Hey, I'm going to be wearing this. And they'd be like, Holy shit. Like you're young. <laughs> and I'd be like, yeah, man, like what's it to you? Like, should we get drinking it's or what? And they'd be like, I just, I didn't expect it. Like, and yeah. And I've always been like a really clinical person. Like I really like to write white papers in college like i really valued things like prose and like professional grammar and they'd be yeah like, of course you're so well written for someone who's so young and i'd be like cool like let's move on like should we get drinking and like the whole time <laughs> like well we're gonna drink or like what like you know, yeah we're just gonna you know and and that was it was always you know everyone was like wow well like i'm really impressed and be like well thanks like we're gonna get a drink but um so i haven't had a lot and like and one of the reasons too, like there's some very angry people on reddit like i've gotten a oh, non-zero yeah. amount of, of death threats and people who you know who routinely private message me in the middle of the night to tell me what a terrible person i am but like that's not age related either i think they if they didn't know i was young they would have found some other reason to be upset but really people have been pretty good and you know now that i don't look like a little baby and i'm almost 30 and you know maybe i'll cop a, a 30 under 30 before i turn 30 but i kind of doubt it but like <laughs> oh you know, the dream the dream I mean, I'm not like, I, and I've grown a lot. 22 was young, but I wanted to learn. And I was really glad yeah. that no one, no one discouraged me because I was young. And like, I, I didn't like, you know, I could spend a lot less than I could then than I could now. So I had to be kind of choosy, but you know, coming up on 30 people, when I walk into a place, like someone's first thought is I'm like, look, this little baby guy. It's just like, he's a little bit younger than the rest of us. And then we get to drinking, which is the whole reason I'm there anyway. So not getting carded has its blessings and its curses. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, I, I'm at the point where I just like, 
just look at it anyway. Like, I'm, it's not trying to flaunt anything. It's just like, I just want to get this out of the way. I don't know if you're going to ask or not, but just, you know, I just, I just want to, I want my drink. Just give me my, <laughs> just give me my Turkey 101 or whatever the heck you got at the bar. But um, it, it is kind of funny to me. Like you and I basically were starting our journeys at the same time. Like it just kind of in, in different spaces. And like, I, I wasn't always review minded or even podcast minded. I mean, it took me, I mean, yeah, again, like I was probably 22 when I really started getting into bourbon and then by 23 edging closer to 24, I was like, I should do something with this. I'm already having conversations about it and sure. you know, I, I, I may as well. So it, it it's funny because from what I, what I'm understanding from you, you kind of always had this mindset of if I'm going to do this, I'm just going to go for it all the way. Whereas I, I just kind of like stumbled into it bass backwards basically. (laughs) (laughs) And it was like, yeah, here we go. But like, and, and I want to touch on this too, because I also, I spent a good chunk of my college career being a, an English major before switching over to to graphic design. And, um, it's a, it's a weird question and I'm not necessarily using this as a, uh, a method to, you know, try to pull information or knowledge out of you or experience, but like, there are people who are always like, how did you start doing this? Why did you, you know, decide, oh, it's a podcast I want to do, or I want to write reviews on the internet, even though people are going to email me and say, you're (laughs) dumb. But like, what, what are the, the driving factors for somebody who might be looking to get into writing about whiskey? Sure. That's a, that's a great question. Um, for me, it was, it was, I wanted to gauge how little I knew. And I figured the first way to do that was to attempt to cover something in depth. And, and also at that time, like I had been drinking bourbon for not a very long time. I, I yeah. mean, maybe a year or two, I, I, I sustained an injury in high school. And for the first couple of years of college, they basically said, you know, um, if you want to have one drink a night, like that's great. If you want to have two, like that's good, but like call it a day. If you want to have three, like you might be looking at, at some organ damage and it was, it was a pancreatic thing and, and it cleared up oh, and it was man. fine. But that's yeah. when I decided like, like two Keystone light or like two good bourbon. Um, maybe I should try the bourbon route because mm-hmm. Keystone didn't taste that great. Um, so like, that's kind of where I was like, you know what, this tastes better. And so I kind of had a basis of understanding like, okay, so I prefer this because it tastes better, but there's a million of them and I can't afford to buy that many of them. So let's yeah. start to figure out what makes a good bourbon, what makes a good a bad bourbon let's write analytically but yeah. really for people like so many people feel so much pressure especially because bourbon's blown up now to be like oh okay i love bourbon now i have to turn it into a thing like yeah, like, I, yeah. I need a side hustle now like I, I bought my first bottle of bourbon two days ago on a friday now it's monday like i'm a bourbon thing like don't feel any pressure like i just yeah. like i told myself like you know, if you can do this for five days and you still find it interesting at the end and like, maybe you'll keep it up and clearly that was the case. But I think a lot of people feel a lot of pressure to be more into bourbon than maybe they want to be. And if you like fall head over heels for bourbon, I think that's awesome. But I also get a yeah. lot of people that are like, you know, what? I've tried 10 bourbons and like, I just didn't enjoy any of them. And I asked them like, well, what do you think about gin? And they're like, well, I, I hadn't thought about gin. Like I, maybe I should try this. Like, you know, there's so much. And like, 
whiskey I know is like cool and hip and now it's mainstream media. Like yeah. the, the amount of whiskey advertising is, is like a under 30 or an under 40 year old is just bonkers. Like you're supposed to like whiskey if you're cool. And like, like guys are told like, you know, ladies love dudes that love whiskey, but if you don't, if you're not feeling it, just you're probably going to feel something else. Go find that. But yeah, absolutely. And like, don't take too much stock in your writing. Don't, if you only yeah. want to write a hundred words, like there's not many people that only write a hundred words. If you want to write 10,000 words, there aren't too many of those too, but yeah. um, do kind of throw what you know, or, or if you try something new, try something that you're passionate about, something that like, you know, cause if you don't interest you, you're not going to interest any readers. Yeah. That's absolutely. kind of the first thing. Like don't absolutely. Um, so that's my two cents. And, and I, 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 We'll be very frank. I mean, one of the things that I've discovered over the past couple of years as well is that I am reviewing far less than what I am tasting. Sure. Right. And there's so, I mean, like towards the end of last year, I was like, man, I haven't even put out like an official review for uh, the, the Yellowstone 2020 limited edition mm-hmm. or uh, even Knob Creek Cast Strength 12 year, which wound up being my number one of 2020 and I never put out an, effect, uh, an official review of it. Sure. And so like there, there is kind of that, that void that I almost feel. And part of it is the writer in me, but part of it is also like the desire to just get these thoughts out and take the time and be very, very methodical and, and, and just be honest in a, in a written format and go, I, I, <laughs> You know, I don't always have time to review everything on the podcast. I need to, you know, get yeah. this out in some way. So, um, yeah, the part part of me was kind of like, hey, what, what are your tips? But at the same time, it was like, I know that people are listening and going, you know, I, I want to do something with this. But I agree with you. You don't have to always do something with it if it's, you know, something that's going to eat up your time. But at, at, at the same time, I want to see somebody who does what you said. And the first day after they bought their very first bottle of bourbon, they start a podcast or they, they write a review or something. And this isn't really the space for it. I mean, this is episode 170, 169. I can't remember off the top of my head. I'm sorry. Sure. Um, but <laughs> like, you know, th- it would be crazy to see somebody just take a nosedive into the the review community with no prior knowledge yeah and and it's not that you know they'd have to have never had anything to drink but you know if they just were totally oblivious to the the community and to the industry and just tried to kind of float to the top as it were i guess sure um, that would be a really interesting project to to see so if you know somebody or you know, okay. out there listening not just you jay <laughs> somebody somebody else out there as well if you know somebody who doesn't like bourbon but they want to try something or maybe they've never had it before give them that opportunity to you know get into this it's super hokey but my favorite quote is a confucius quote and it it says it does not matter um how slow you go as long as you do not stop and that's kind of you know now i have to juggle a lot of things and so my goal is you know okay if it if it's been a couple days since i got a review that's okay, but don't let this be the period. Like, don't let this be the end. Like, don't let so many days go by that you get used to the comfort of like, well, I didn't push out a review for three weeks. It's fine. Like, you know, get something done. Even if you write half a review, even if you get part of the paper, you know. Yeah. Um, you know, you don't have to turn out five reviews a day, but make sure you get that one a week. You know, whatever yeah. that interval is that keeps you engaged 
and also too, like if you start to feel like it's a, it's a slog that you don't enjoy, uh, you know, first and foremost, like we all love whiskey here. So don't yeah. let feeling like you need to do something poison your love of whiskey. Um, because that's, you know, it's easy to burn out and stuff, but yeah, if, if you're into it and you get the time, you know, do what I did. Like I knew literally nothing. I, the first review was yeah. Eagle rare. I got back from the store and I did a quick Google and I was like, cool, Buffalo trace. Like let's dive on it. You know, <laughs> and I was like, wow, that, you know, buffaloes and eagles. And I was Googling the ABV and the filtration and what single barrel mean. And, and that's where I started, you know? So like I started at the total bottom and if I can pull it off and, and keep it going, that should absolutely be a form of encouragement to anyone else who, you know, and if you do stop and you're like, you know what, this sucks. I'd rather just go back to drinking bourbon. Then you probably have some other great talent somewhere else, but if you love it, yeah. You would have never found it if you didn't decide to go balls deep and give it a shot. Great phrase there. For... <laughs> Hopefully, yeah. I don't know if we'll need to censor that. Out, but <laughs> afterwards, I was like thinking of the, of, of like, I watched the movie Dodgeball this weekend. And I was like, ah. Oh. <laughs> it just occurred to me that like, I probably could have found a, a better way to phrase that. But uh, you, you know, know what? I'm, I'm just, average Joe's. We're I'm just going to leave it. I've done a couple episodes where I've put like a warning up front that it's probably not best to listen around your kids or your, your oh. granny. So you we should have led with that. I'm sorry. <laughs> no, no, no. It's it's fine. I mean, I'll 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 do it. I have this whole little edited. It sounds like you're turning on a radio and somebody's saying, "Warning: This is not suitable for kids or your grandmother." And like you know, it it's it sounds really cool. I enjoyed doing the editing behind this. So I might oh, I might throw it up at the front end of it. I don't know. It depends on you know. We'll see how it ends. But like, yeah, like if you need to like, <laughs> you know, hide your kids, hide your granny, take some time. Like, I get it. <laughs> Totally cool. <laughs> let's let's take a, a hard left turn too, because you did bring up gin. Yeah, and I actually, I, I, I gin was never on my radar when I was. I, I don't mean for this to sound as bad as it does, but when I was growing up, because <laughs> bring it, I'm bring I, I'm a I'm a Kentucky boy, and like bourbon was the thing that was always around. Now, to be fair, I didn't start drinking until I was about twenty, but. The, the, that was just never anything that was in my lexicon. Okay. And so I started, um, you know, I, I, my wife and I are high school sweethearts. And um, as we got into college, she, you know, hung on to gin as her, her spirit of choice. And so I was like, oh, I'll, I'll give it a shot. And I, I really like gin. I think it's got a lot of qualities to it that, of course, bourbon, it just doesn't allow Mm -hmm. But at the same time, you know, you can kind of feel like some of the laurels that bourbon in, in terms of ingenuity and innovation and creativity are derived from when it comes to something like gin. When you're talking about the, the history of bourbon, when you talk about the history of, of whiskey in general, where's the first place that your mind goes to? I mean, are you thinking of distillers in Scotland and Ireland? Are you thinking of people like E.H. Taylor or, you know, even so far back as the, the first people in the, the Mesozoic era who discovered that, you know, if you let these grapes sit out for too long, they're going to start tasting real good and you feel like you conquer the house next door, whatever. You like, can take down that woolly mammoth. No, I got yeah, you. Yeah, sure. Yeah, we could, we could have a little arm wrestle and I'd probably knock him to the ground maybe on a good day. But <laughs> <laughs> the sun hasn't been shining for a couple of days because of the volcanic ash around. But yeah. 
Yeah, it, it it's interesting for me because distillation, first and foremost, like has always been like a chemical process. So I like I kind of am detached from the romanticism of, you know, people have been doing this for hundreds and hundreds of years. I'm yeah. I'm very into the modern, which kind of sucks because like I love really old whiskey, right? Like I think that's super yeah, cool. Sure, but sure. when I think of like you know, this is distillation. It's finest. I'm thinking of places like Bardstown or, or some of like the new, like extremely high tech, like MGP yeah. that are like clinical, like automation. But, you know, gin is very different from that. Gin is very like, we did a tiny batch. Like we picked this random stuff from around the facility. Like we threw it in the basket. Um, so th- those two things are, are kind of different for me. You know, ethanol, yeah, at least consumable ethanol in like a premium you know, format started for me as like something that I wanted to get into and like kind of couldn't afford to, but was like super interested and like yeah, bourbon absolutely. started for me as like a bourbon was like a better vodka, right? Like everyone in college was just like guzzling vodka all day long. And I was like, but this bourbon stuff like tastes really good. Like let's yeah, figure out like, absolutely. Why is it like that? Oh, oh, it spent time aging. Like, well, vodka doesn't get that, you know? Um, <laughs> And so I was kind of like, well, you know, what, what, what makes bourbon better? And then that's when I started to dig into like, okay, this is how it's made now, but wait, bourbon's been around for a million years. Okay. Let's dig into that. Okay, cool. E.H. Taylor and like Castle and Key and, um, you know, Buffalo Trace and like their warehouse. And I got super interested in warehouse X and stuff like that. So for me, it was a very kind of analytical. It was like, I want it like I enjoy drinking bourbon, even the like crappy stuff that might, you know, if I'm not home and my friends had bourbon, like I still enjoy this more than everything else, but like, why is that? And kind of, you know, digging into, okay, well, this is how it's different in terms of mash. This is how it's different in terms of proof. This is how it's different in terms of aging. And then kind of being like, well, how did we get to this point? Like, you know, if I wanted to make bourbon, how would I know that eight to 10 years in these conditions is best? And Oh, people have been doing it for a really long time and they mostly are in Kentucky and, and stuff like that. So my, my journey of getting accustomed to the spirit was kind of trying to figure out like, why is this so much better for like, it was only like $6 more than the vodka. Like surely college kids have $6 rattling around. Like we could buy pizza at the end of the night. Like, you know, if you want a good drink, why don't you just buy something, you know, which sounds kind of like preposterous now. Like people are like, why doesn't this taste better? And I'm like, why don't you just spend more money? But you know, in college, that's not really like, the de facto solution is not to like, oh, we'll just throw money at this problem because no one has any money to throw around. But I never really started like the Mesozoic, like woolly mammoth period of like <laughs> when they were like, should we make perfume or should we make booze? And everyone was like, booze, you know? Um, <laughs> but it, it, yeah, it's not, I, I, I'm, I'm not pulling that from a, a sense of like, oh, this is how I think about it all the time. It's just like, you know, that, that is, it's almost steeped in, you know, history and lore that it's like, oh, the, people have been doing this for a lot longer than we actually recorded history. Yeah. Like bur- bourbon is not something that came about over the past 400 years because some guy had to char the the fish smell out of his barrel and then, you know, had to dump whiskey into it. I mean, th- there's something that has been deep-seated in our little goopy brains you know it's like ah but what if i felt good when i I ate or drank this it's like what if it was just a little bit different and i feel a little bit better about it afterwards but it, it it's funny because bourbon has become almost like and 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 yes the boom has allowed for it to grow past this but in some ways it still maintains this feeling of like a luxury item 
Oh, for sure. You know, and and we spend so much time and countless hours out of our, our days and weeks and years off of our life talking about this. And um, does does it ever kind of hit you? And this is a conversation we can have back and forth as well, that it's kind of odd that this is what we've latched onto because it is, again, a luxury item. Yeah. You know, it, we, we don't necessarily need it to survive, but everybody who consumes it and purchases it enjoys it at a very, you know, deep, meaningful degree to the point where we're building communities around it and we're spending time going out of our way to pick barrels and talk about the history and say, oh yeah, but I used to have this bottle of Elmer T. Lee that was just the best single barrel I'd ever had in my entire yeah. life. And I've, you know, either always been chasing that again or, you know, looking for something that's going to get close to it. But I, and I'll speak from experience too, every now and then it's like, like, am I, am I doing am I doing something meaningful? <laughs> you know, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, it, it hits me. It hits me every now and then, but then, you know, I justify it because, you know, I, I do feel like I'm adding something meaningful to this, this narrative, to this uh, informal discussion as it were about what this means to us as people. Yeah. I think, I mean, I think that's a great question. There, there's two things I want to hit on there. First off, like, I do think it's funny when people ask me like, are you really bothered that like this new release is going to be a thousand dollars? And I'm like, yeah. no, it's a luxury item. Like I can afford some of this luxury item. I can't afford a thousand dollars, but like <laughs> someone out there can, like, I'm not like, I'm not upset that I'm priced out of this because like there's yeah. different tiers of luxury, but second, yeah, I think it's really interesting. And, and it, it's something to just this past Valentine's day, I've always kind of wanted to get into hot sauce, but I've never had a good way to do it. And I've always had really bad hot sauce. I've just been like, you know, it's just pain water that you put on food <laughs> and everyone like, like, you know, it's a big like sausage measuring contest, like how much pain. Yeah, of like, course. And, but my wonderful fiance bought me this like fuego box and it's like 12 different expressions from like not hot to hot, That's but awesome. they're all different styles. And and I had a bunch of, and I was like, there is so much flavor here. And I'm like super into it. Like I love, like I've been into whiskey for a long time. Like got to catch them all, whatever. But now I'm like, feeling the same itch that I had on day one of whiskey, which is like, there's a million options. I know nothing about any of them. All I know is like, this is fucking delicious on no matter like any day, yeah. whatever I want. Yeah. Um, and it got me thinking about whiskey because whiskey is kind of the same way. And like, I kind of doubt that like, I'm going to mod our hot sauce and it's going to be 200,000 people <laughs> strong. And like, it's going to be the same thing as bourbon. But I was like, I'm having, cause sometimes two people are like, don't you get tired of being surrounded by alcohol? Like every second of every day, like, isn't it unhealthy? And I'm like, well, you got to make it healthy. Like you got to take Absolutely. care of yourself. Yeah. But you know, I was like, if people do this with hot sauce, like this is super cool too. I, I think the value is, you know, I like to spend as much of my time as possible being positive. Like I don't, and like, do not get me wrong. hundred percent. Like if I've 100%. removed a hundred posts that break the rules and someone calls me a dick for removing their post that like clearly violates the rule and it's the end of the day, like I will give you the hands. Like I will snark you out a little bit, but like, yeah, you know, like normal people are like, Hey man, like I just want a suggestion. Like I, I love being able to contribute and I try and, and follow like the 99 to one, like 99 positive interactions for every negative interaction. Like sometimes you just need to tell a guy like, Hey, you know what? 
like you are not good for this community and i'm like i'm a ban your ass and you like you hit him with the hammer and like i feel bad when i do but you know i love to give back and like people just you know ask questions yeah and, like, hey trying to be supportive and suggestive and like because at the the end of the day too i think as long as you're healthy with your whiskey habit like yeah having a really great outlet to a give you a sense of community B, give you a sense of enjoyment and just like sit back and like relax with like a good whiskey is so good, especially mid pandemic. Like a lot of people are just wound really tightly. Like, Hey, what if we all just had a whiskey? We just had a drink together, man. Kicked back and like, just like let the stress, like you'll sleep better if you don't have too much, you know? And and that's kind of where I felt. Cause sometimes I do wonder like, should I be picking up like a charity instead? Like is, is my time better spent elsewhere? But then we do a barrel and I get to see, 200 goons get to connect with each other over our <laughs> bourbon and everyone's just like having the best time. And like, those are the moments where, you know, some days it's 11 o'clock and I'm like, why am I still awake? Okay. I got, I, you know, I got some of our bourbon stuff to get out of the way, but like, yeah. those are the moments that like really solidify for me that, you know, doing stuff for the whiskey world is still super valuable. And the fact that like yeah. it gives, you know, 175,000 people a place to come at the end of the day and learn more if they want to learn more. They can chat with old friends if they want to chat with old friends. And if everyone else just wants to like have a drink, kick back, get ready for the next day and just chill and let the day wear off. Like, I think that's great. And that, that for me is 100% of the value. You know, when, when you talk about something like a a charity drive or, or just trying to, you know, better the world around you, not just through, you know, positive influence on your own community, but also trying to, share the 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 wealth that you have found in a community that has been built around what you do that to me is still valuable oh you know i mean like we the past couple of years have raised money for november oh yeah you know like that that is and and truthfully i mean it's nothing that you know i i have to go super out of my way to uh promote or to uh, you know, to make happen. But at the same time, I mean, I, I do have to actively talk with people and encourage them to, to donate and talk with the folks at Movember and say, Hey, you know, we're still interested in partnering with you guys. And we want to actually yeah. give back to a community that is really crucial to the folks that, you know, make up who we are. I mean, and, yeah, and, and, and I'll, I'll, talk about Movember for a second too. <laughs> it's for men with mental health issues and, yeah. and just health issues in general, because we as guys don't talk about it enough. Mm-hmm. And by finding somebody who is going to spread that word and say, you're not alone. You can talk about it if you need to. Here are the resources for you to actually better yourself. It's, it's a lot more encouraging seeing the the organic growth of it and knowing that people are are doing it not just because you said something about it and you're like hey you should really go and support this thing that i i believe a lot in but you're you're also seeing people also understand why you're passionate about it and and you know building on that that excitement that you've introduced with something like a charity drive yeah, and it's worth noting here that like so we're we're actually doing a bunch of charity events this year for like dog shelters around America through our barrel program. But um, when I was talking charity, I might like some days I wonder like, all right, so I spent four hours doing our bourbon stuff today. Like, should I have volunteered that time like to go like run copies for in you know 
insert charity name here. Um, and that's definitely an excellent use of time. But I think with, you know, like with a great audience like you have and with the audience that our bourbon has, like it's yeah. really profound to also think of like, hey, let, let's do something really unconventional, you know, partnering with Movember. Um, we're going to do some charity barrels this year that are, you know, barrels are already in crazy high demand, but yeah. okay, if these are going to be the five top demand, let's tack an extra, you know, 10 or 20 bucks on the bottle and we'll ship a, a couple thousand dollars to a charity in need. And I think it's cool to to have those outlets, especially, yeah. you know, whiskey is still blowing up. So it's really cool to use that, that momentum to give back in a lot of different ways. Yeah. And, and I, that, that conversation that we're constantly having, when's the boom going to end? When are things going to slow down? And it's like, I don't really care about it. Yeah. Even if it, even if it just continuously expands, I don't want to think about the, the, the end in sight. I'm just happy enjoying the the community as it is. There's a, a new bourbon drinker who comes into the the fold every day, and we should be willing to open open our arms to them, you know. And honestly, I, like people ask me, like, "Hey, man, like, aren't aren't you excited for the boom to end soon?" And I'm like, "A, it's not no. ending soon, and B, like, <laughs> no, let's keep this thing not going. Like, uh, sure, like, I'm not really upset that I can't buy Blanton's any day. Like, I never have been." And if some people's yeah. definition of the boom ending means like they can buy blends any day they want, like, cool, great for them. But there's so much, like, there's so much amazing river that I couldn't even buy yeah. five years ago. Like, why would I want the boom to stop? Like we're, yeah, of course we're in the heyday and like, I've met a lot of people in the last couple of years, but there's a lot more people to meet. Like, let's keep this party going. Who knows? Maybe what's we'll... that, what's that line from my, the, the office finale where Andy goes, I wish that you could know when you're in the, the good days. Or something oh, yeah. like that, you know, like that, that's, it's funny because now that we are kind of in the zeitgeist of knowing that to, we can step back and look at it and go, oh, things are really good right now. Like they've <laughs> never been better for this community than they are right this second. Like it, it is kind of gratifying to, to feel that sense of ownership at the same time going, I'm very happy with how things are, but let's see how far we can stretch them. Like. Yeah, and it, it's it's kind of like, and it's weird too. I haven't seen this feeling until like the whole GME like diamond hands like Wall Street bets thing, where everyone was like, yeah. "It's taken off. Like we're cool now. It's taken <laughs> off. Like let's never stop." And I'm like, "Okay, so you like the 72 hours you guys have felt like have broken down like the last 10 years of whiskey. Like yeah, yeah, let's let's go to the moon with it. Like it's a super cliched thing, but." There's no reason to stop. What's no. and my my good buddy John and on Tuesdays we co-host weekly whiskey and he, he always says yeah. like everyone asks when the golden days of whiskey are and he's like we're in them these are the golden days right like, now go <laughs> go buy great bourbon and just love on life because these are yeah. the days and I totally agree with him I think it's a great point I I have a I, a habit of sharing I've talked about this on the podcast numerous times but. When I get and maybe an allocated bottle or a store pick that I'm really excited about, I just have this habit of not being able to keep it away from people. Yeah. Like, you know, my, my dad's a bourbon drinker. My father-in-law's a bourbon drinker. I've got friends, of course, co-hosts. And I'm like, I want you to try this. I want you to experience this with me. And the downfall of that is I don't have the, the backlog of you know, store picks or, or allocated products that a lot of people do because they're storing them for a bunker. Whereas my main takeaway is 
I really like this. I really want you to like this as, as yeah. well. You know, that's, I, I am that's the fun of it. Like, yeah, exactly. And I'm so much more interested in sharing it with people and, and breaking it out and going now, I know how cool Weller is to you, but you've never had William LaRue Weller, you know, <laughs> this is yep. where I put my bottle of antique collection. <laughs> if, <laughs> if I had, if one. I had one, <laughs> we came from, we are literally just, and, and I've picked up on every single one of your references too. We I grew up it. in the exact same era. And I think that we have pretty similar tastes in, uh, in media and comedy as well. Like even, even as, even as you were talking about breaking out the whiteboard and going, I've got to fix this. I was like, you would get along really well with Richard, Richard Hendricks. Like <laughs> <laughs> you would probably solve the middle out for Pied Piper on a, a um, freaking Silicon Valley. Sorry. <laughs> Slipped my mind for a second. But uh, anyway, anyway, um, I, I, I want to ask you this. It's almost like a, a two parter. Sure. What's been your most controversial review that you've put out? And what's your your hot take about bourbon or the whiskey community at the moment? Or just bourbon in general. It doesn't even yeah. have to be about the community. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so... Okay, my hot take will be spicy, but it's definitely not the first one I've shared. My <laughs> most controversial... Honestly, so I, I love... I really like normal plants. I think that bland straight from the barrel is only slightly better. And that usually, wow. um, I think that if you're going to pay for barrel proof bourbon, you should not pay for bland straight from the barrel, which I don't, this is not my spicy take. So I don't don't want this bleed in. I think that if you're (laughs) going to buy barrel proof bourbon, um, throw that grenade back at whoever tossed it to you and get something different. Um, Elijah Craig barrel proof is too stinking good these days for people to spend even Blanton's gold. I, I, I don't know. Flask fine wine sent me an email. They had like the cheapest Blanton straight from the rail. They had was like 400 bucks. And I know they hit Whoa, no, 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 um, no, 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 no. And people are like, Hey man, this looks like a great price. And I was like, have we never talked at all? Like, <laughs> like delete the email. Um, Get rid of the paper trail. Like All larceny right. barrel proof, amazing. Stag Jr., amazing. Elijah Craig barrel proof, amazing. Like, why are you asking me these questions? Even I was super pumped. I just bought a town branch. It was 11 year Oloroso matured bourbon at like 66%. And it was $60. Like, put what? down. It was crazy. It made no where sense. Is, to me. Where is this? I got to buy a bottle of that. It was town like, wine, this is, Wisconsin. Like, this is coming you, from a guy who like doesn't like town branch for the most part because when they started out, it was just. Hot garbage. hot garbage, hot it's garbage. garbage with um, a, a, a capital. <laughs> yeah, it was it was just cherry wheat um, garbage. It was hot garbage, but like, um, it was it was sixty six dollars, and it That's was incredible. it was great. Um, drop me a line if you want. I'll send you one. But um, <laughs> you know, I'm all about that. <laughs> it was, uh, I saw it and I was like, I had to do a double take. No yeah. pun intended, because <laughs> like these stats this price, this producer, like what? But <laughs> so I think that that one always generates and I love, and people always tell me like, well, now you just hate Blands. I'm like, well, okay. So I've had people send me Blands blind. <sighs> I've had friends be like, hey, that bourbon didn't like, it was Blands. And like, it, it pains me to tell you this, but you just don't like Blands. And it's something about the herbaceous rutabaganess of the the profile that kills oh, me. Oh, wow. Huh. It's just, it tastes like dirt. It's just dirty. And I don't mean dirty like bad. It just is dirty tasting bourbon i I love it 
Hmm. You know what's funny is like that has totally reminded me of the the way that I drink Blantons and kind of like almost ignoring that earthy yeah. note on there too. Just going like, oh no, but it's a good single barrel for the most part. But yeah, it it does get really really dirty. Oh, yeah. Shoot, man. So that's that that always generates some posture my my really hot take is that i think that people need to um and and i will say this just beginning like david jennings and i are really good friends super great dude yeah man so oh, just Dave. remove any thoughts of herbert from this equation but uh, people Uh-oh. need to stop giving wild turkey credit because they're way behind and they're always behind and they're never ahead of anything wow um, wild turkey i think okay it kills me everything the wild turkey has done that his super popular and lauded is like six years later than when they should have done it. And uh, I know it's cool to romanticize them and their rich history of being behind, but. Um, All right. You know, gonna, they put I'm out gonna, great products too. They put out I'm, great products, but they are no innovator. And every time their new product comes out and everyone is like, hooray. I like to remind them that if it was any other distiller, they could have said hooray like five years before that. I'm going to, I'm going to pull. Place. I'm going to pull the high school math teacher, show, show your work. Like where, where are you pulling this specifically from? Like I've got maybe an idea of where you're going with it, but I need, I need specificity here, Jay. Sure. I'll, I'll give it to you. So, um, everybody, hooray, wild Turkey 17 bottled and bond, uh, was being done at heaven Hill with the William heaven Hill series. Okay. No limited release. We're getting masters keep one. I know everyone is saying that, Hey, Campari couldn't possibly have said that toasted barrels are catching on. You should now do one, but you know, they're coming. Woodford has been doing them for a long time, followed by old Forrester a little bit after that, followed by Elijah Craig slightly after that. And then, Hey, look, we're getting a, a master's keep toasted barrel. Unsurprising. We're still don't have a single barrel barrel proof offering from wild Turkey, which heaven Hill is now giving us our, well, I know we're getting Elijah Craig's single barrel barrel proof, but we've gotten a bunch of others. You do, do you do you think we'll get rare breed single barrel picks, or at least some some kind of uh, barrel proof uh, single barrel offering from from rare? Uh, excuse me, Wild Turkey in the future. I'll be honest with you. I think we do, but I think there'll be another presidential election before we do. Wow. I, think, <laughs> I mean, I mean, single cast nation. We know that they can do it. Like single cast nation. Yeah, of course. And they bought them like a while ago. It, it was three, three years, four, not four, three years maybe. But like, we know that they will let them go out. And I understand like they've brought up a new distillery. Like you can't just spin up new products overnight, especially with bottling yeah. lines. And they have a lot of products to get out. But if everybody else can do it, I'm like wild turkey, chop, chop, come on. Like, and, and it's no question, like, I will be the first in line to buy it. Like, give me that yeah, single barrel, absolutely. barrel proof, whatever. Like, I will yeah. buy it all day. But, you know, everyone is is very hot to say you shouldn't buy X, Y, or Z because Wild Turkey 101 or Rare Breed is amazing. But, yeah, they're amazing because they've been doing okay. the same thing for a long time. And yeah, yeah, yeah. Expand yeah. really slowly. And, yeah, and, and I guess to your point, I mean, that makes sense because Rare Breed – only really has broken the the 110 proof point in the past three years right four years was it 2017 when it hit 116.8 i think yeah 
or maybe really it was early 2018. 2018. I, oh, I was thinking on the other side. Maybe it was 2017. Oh, really? I'm trying to think of when it we'll have flipped. to ask Dave. <laughs> I know I, that's going to be rocky. Mostly, I'll be like, <laughs> he is listening to this right now with smoke coming out of his ears for the most part. But I, I, I do agree with you though. I, I think that there are, you know, in in, in terms of innovation. Um, wild Turkey seems to be a little bit more responsive than they do innovative. Uh, but, but at the same time, I mean, maybe their, their goal is just to respond to the market or, you know, see, see what has been successful or, or popular and kind of take their own spin on it. I mean, that's, that's nothing new. We've seen that plenty in the craft beer world over the past, you know, Oh God. Yeah. Yeah. Eight to 10 years. I mean, that, that's, from you know the the rise of the hazy IPA to slushies from you know 450 North, like yeah. th- those two things have like set the stage for anybody who's in craft brewing exactly. to just lose their minds and 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 go all out with it. And, so, I, and I will say too, like like this is like I think Wild Turkey makes phenomenal products, which yeah. I'm thankful yeah, for. Yeah. And there's there's like like I'm not doubting their quality and i think that it's it's a completely sound market strategy to say hey we have a million competitors like let's watch them falter and do weird craft beer things and we'll see if <laughs> you know we'll see what sticks and we'll do it but you know people are like hey like wild turkey's innovative and and always doing the newest coolest stuff i'm like i don't think that's true but i'm also thankful that bourbon isn't like craft beer because people have to hold on to their distillate for a couple of years yeah. to see if dill pickle whiskey is a good idea you know or beer you just turn out dill pickle beer and in 48 hours you know if you're good or bad and there man there are so many people who love pickle beer so So many people one of my good buddies travis who lives in uh texas fan of the show long time you know Mm. good friend of the show i know where this is going yeah like he loves the pickle beer that comes out of texas i mean like he'll Mm -hmm. text us about it every year when it drops and he's like i bought like four six packs because it's the best thing i've ever had and like, I've not had it. I'm not going to speak to it one way or another, but it's, it's almost the pappy effect. Like <laughs> that, that's kind of the, the general thread that I use to describe things now. It's like, uh, has it been overhyped or am I actually going to love it for what it is? Sure. You know, I just, I, I'm, I've gotten so not defensive, but maybe a little bit offensive actually when, when somebody goes, Oh, you got to try this new product or the thing that you've, you know, heard about for so long, you know, maybe this is going to live up to your expectations or you're just going to be, you know, super, super disappointed in it. Do, do you still kind of experience that? Because I don't, I don't get that as much anymore with having tasted and reviewed so many things that I, I'm, I'm, rarely surprised by a new product or rarely taken off guard when somebody's like, you've never had this before. Yeah. I mean, the first point of that is, and this is in no way like a, like a brag or a pat on the back, but like at this point, they're truly in the world of American whiskey. Like there are plenty of products I haven't had, but if there's something notable and I haven't had it, it's probably because it's brand new and I just haven't had it yet. Mm -hmm. But you know, when people saunter up and they're like, oh my God, like you need to try this. It's amazing. You've definitely never had it. Like there's an 80% chance that I probably at some point have had it. And then I'm usually playing. Yeah. I'm like, oh, this is great. You know, um, that's, it's normally <laughs> with people who are like less familiar with it, like family members, like acquaintances. But 
Um, and a lot of time, like people ask me, like, are you jaded? Like, no, there's still stuff I get crazy excited about, yeah, like bullet absolutely. barrel strength. Like it is hard not to jump up right now and just Dude. be like, like bullet, like, thanks for waking up and joining the show. Like you're killing it. Like blender select, like single barrels, like barrel strength, like, like hot diggity. So I'm definitely I'm, not a jaded guy. Like there's new stuff to get excited about. I do love that you went from balls deep to hot diggity. That's like, there's no in between free. I mean, yeah, like, like I'm, I'm a perfectly excitable guy. Like I tried the Thomas Morris. People are like, oh, they're just doing weird wine finishes. And I was like, no, but I'm going to buy not. them. But they're I not. I went and bought them and they were great. Like, the Chardonnay finish is so good. I've been dying to see a Chardonnay finished bourbon for a long time. And it, it, as soon as I had it, I was like, this is what I've been looking for yeah. for a while. And I, I just am so thrilled by that product. You know what's funny, though? I can't find the Thomas Moores anywhere in Kentucky. Oh, well, once again, if, if you need a hand, just let me know. I'm going to be definitely, I'm going to like write out a list and be like, Jay, hey, man, I got another thing I want added to it. You know, Do it. I mean, like- <laughs> Wisconsin is hardly the hot spot, but we get, when we get random shit, like it, we get 900 million of them. So it, it's like, it's like how Ohio just always has Weller Antique. Yeah, in Texas like, with Special Reserve. Like, yeah, exactly. Like, how did that become the norm for the market? Yeah, I don't know. it's crazy. But like, <laughs> I'm a perfectly excitable guy. Like some people, yeah, when yeah. they're like, you know, this new release comes out. I'm like, it was okay. And they're like, well, you just don't like anything new these days. And I'm like, no, I, like there's yeah. great stuff I love. Like there's like there's so much stuff that I, and even the new Maker's Mark, the FAE01, I thought was really great. I was super yeah. excited about it. So I'm I'm not a hard guy to excite, but if you give me the same single barrel 90 proof from the same distillery as nine other like yeah i'm probably gonna have a hard time getting excited about that and Let, like toasted stuff is just kind of hit or miss for me like I'm sure, probably sure yeah gonna try it but i'm not losing sleep like i did over and <laughs> like a good way like go bullet like strong work guys like way to get over your terrible roots and make some good whiskey dude and and i'm, I'm talking about makers too over the past couple of years se4 pr5 which, by the way, figure out a freaking naming convention, makers. Like, do do something. I don't know. I don't know what you're thinking by naming it based on these stave profiles. It's exhausting. But it was so good. Yeah. Like, I I cannot get over the fact that Makers Mark, who did the exact same year, exact same thing, excuse me, for 40 years, is producing something that is this unique and this exciting. And if people would if people would give it the chance, we might not hear about how everybody misses Weller yeah. in the next couple of years. <clears throat> Truthfully, it could overtake the market. And I mean, I even I just wrapped up an article for Whiskey Raiders uh, that Maker's Mark is coming for Weller's Lunch. All four of their cast strength, actually all five. Yeah. I've only had four of the five from 2020 since they dropped 2005 in the first week of 2021, Okay, which makes no sense to me. But like... Forty dollars for a fifty-four to fifty-six-ish ABV barrel-proof weeded whiskey that's forty dollars you can buy all day yeah. is absolutely just super aggressive, it, yeah. and it's a great product. It used to be sixty, sixty-five bucks. They they cut twenty bucks off the top. You can buy it anywhere. Thank God, it's really good. <laughs> like twenty twenty was the year of me like standing kind of like on my shed, just being like Maker's Mark, like thank you, <laughs> like. Like you've Get been half asleep, <laughs> like you've Jay. been half asleep in the backyard for 40 <laughs> years. 
but and and you showed up to the derby every year but like yeah, thanks for right? waking up and joining the rest of the crew like they're in the race and i that stuff is what gets me jazzed when like when i've been asking for things over and over just like flasks and agave when i've been asking producers like <laughs> sell your stuff in 200 milliliter flasks when i need to buy your 200 dollars bottle like yeah. and like and when they do it it just gets me super pumped so like bullet maker's mark like all you agave producers using flasks like like my blood pressure's up and it's because of you and it's in a good way. As as soon as I found out the Peerless was putting out their their bourbon and their rye yeah. in 200 mil flasks, I was like, this is perfect. I'll buy this all day long. It's really hard to justify paying 90 bucks for a two-year-old whiskey, but, yeah. you know, I'll pay, I'll pay 20. 30 bucks a flask for the next six Absolutely. years until it's ready. <laughs> I'll do it happily. <laughs> Like, like, and that's like my promise to the alcohol industry. And I've told every rep, yeah, yeah. I'm like, is your product available in a flask or a small bottle? And they're like, no. And I'm like, okay, we'll get it in there. And then I will buy it. Like, I don't care what it is. Like my promise to you is that if you put it in a small format bottling, I will buy it. And I will probably buy, if you do your entire range in small bottles, I will buy it. Like that the power that gives the consumer is unbelievable. Like, give me small format offerings and 100%, even if I didn't want to, I will buy it. Like, that is. I would would love to see what New Riff would do with a smaller sized bottle. Would they keep the same style for a 375? Or would they just. They have a 50 50 mil that's the same bottle. They do. I I mean, I I just wonder what what that would look like. But, and I'm not trying to call out New Riff by any means, but, you know, I do feel like they are. You know, between them and, and Wilderness Trail, they could easily benefit from putting out a, you know, a, a pint-sized version sure. of, of their products. But th- this kind of leads into what I was going to ask you next. Have there been? And I don't, I don't mean this because I love both both the New Riff and Wilderness Trail. Have the has there been anything for you recently that has been released that you have just been super disappointed by? Or that might have, I mean, it doesn't even have to have been like a, a a recent craft distillery. It could have been, you know, a product that had been hyped up for you and you just couldn't bring yourself to say, yeah, it's as good as everybody says it is. Maybe it's Blanton's. Maybe you've already answered this question. <laughs> but, <laughs> but you know, in, in that camp, what's the, the one thing that stands out in your mind? Yeah, so first off too, like Backsetter Bourbon and Wright would have been perfect for a 375. Like, like yes super bizarre like absolutely 375 and here's the thing though the i love the, i love those products i think i love good. backsetter bourbon backsetter right tastes like cigarettes and i'm not a cigarette oh guy. yeah okay yeah i i actually can kind of get on board with that it does have that uh that uh but the bourbon ashy cases. ashy taste to it yeah anyway sorry um, anyways for the thing i so i had uh just recently and, I, and i'll counter this because people will say yo you hate weller um uh, Weller Craft Your Perfect Bourbon was not perfect in any way. It was the snooziest thing I've had in a long time. Like I kind of just wanted to put it down and go to sleep. But um, I will counter that and say I'm not a Weller hater because Weller Foolproof is fucking amazing. Yeah, and they so good. knocked it out of the park. So, so stop taking the stocks from Craft Your Perfect Bourbon because it's not perfect and no one can buy it anyways. Give me more Foolproof. Yeah. The world will be better. That's my... like. Uh, I wasn't like super disappointed. I was just like, everyone says this is perfect, including Buffalo Trace. And I drank it and thought like, this is, it was just so, it was so inoffensive. It was so soft. It was just so bland that of course no one could find a fault with it because Uh, it tastes like bourbon water. You know, what's weird. 
I have not yet gotten to try CYPP or the the single barrel that came out last year. Single barrel is great too. Like, I, I mean, plus. it doesn't. It it never shows up here. I mean, it, it's it. I mean, part of that is definitely because it's Kentucky and everything gets so allocated that it automatically is in a raffle. But sure, both of those products, I've I've just not gotten to try yet. You know, and I've been fortunate to kind of fall into uh, a couple of foolproofs but otherwise like it's just it's not anything that i have been able to experience and honestly and you know you have expressed a a fairly positive opinion about single barrel but you know it's not something that i'm like bending over backwards to try to find samples of or or even even find bottles of like Again, that's such a big problem with the secondary market. I mean, like, I'm so discouraged in seeking out some of these bottles that could be beneficial for the podcast or, you know, get us more more listens or likes or reviews or whatever. But it's so hard to justify when somebody buys a $55 bottle of bourbon and puts it up for $325. On oh, yeah. I'm right I, there I can't. You. I cannot bring myself to say got to do it for the content (laughs) (laughs) got to do it for the pod man do it for the gram bro (laughs) do it for the gram i mean and and john and i are like that for weekly whiskey on tuesdays like um like i'm thankful to get to buy a lot of whiskey for whiskey raiders but even i'm like not looking to spend 300 bucks on well like it's not worth it like i'll like i'm thankful to have friends connections hookups stores that that know me when i walk in and know not to mess with me but like i'm not paying 300 bucks for well or single barrel or 400 bucks for full proof (laughs) or yeah well like like i don't know there's so many better ways to generate content especially too when the natural reaction is going to be like and, and this happens Every time on Reddit, new product release thread, 100 comments that are like, well, I'll never see it on a shelf anyways. I'm like, I get it. Like, we're all frustrated. Yeah, yeah. Um, and and that's that's been the big issue with, I, I feel like I, I read a, a comment that you wrote about this recently as well. And, it, and you definitely, you know, just, just spoke to it. But yeah, well, Buffalo Trace needs to stop trying to appeal to the masses with new products and just put out the things that everybody wants or have been searching for over the past couple of years, even though it's not available. I mean, yeah. you know, that like, I think the last time that I walked into a store and was like, oh, you guys got a new Weller? Was like <laughs> three years ago. Like, that's a long time for, you know, them to not have the product readily available. I mean, the bourbon boom really set off in what, 2010, 2011-ish? Yeah, it was you know, full maybe, swing by like 2015, I'd say. Yeah, exactly. But like, you know, that, that again, four years ago was 2017. So, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, I both had that moment like, The last oh, year was the really? long one. Yeah. yeah okay, yep. Check that. Just, yeah, let's just totally give 2020 a pass and nobody ages for a year. We, we all get a skip for it. But anyway, um. I never walk into stores expecting there to be something special. And when I do walk into stores where there's something special, they've marked it up exponentially. I went to a store yesterday that's 30 minutes south of where I live. And they had an E.H. Taylor single barrel sitting behind the counter. (laughs) 
This won't and be good. No, it's not. I was excited. I was like, oh, maybe they're actually going to have a good price on it. $150. Absolutely insane. Wow. It's actually not the worst I've seen. That's it's not, but I can't justify it. Oh, yeah. I mean, because that's a $60, $65 product, right? Yeah. At most. And they're asking <laughs> over double that MSRP. I, I just, I, I'm so over stores and I think too, like, marking it up. What and like people always ask me like, hey, like why should I care about the R Bourbon single barrel program? And I'm like, a first off because like we all get to do it together, but B, yeah, of course, like you're chasing George T. Stag forty thousand bottles a year. Like you want limited, boom, hundred ninety bottles of this, and it only goes to our community. So you know that. Like you are 100% always in the running to get one. And when you get it, everyone's going to open it up and talk about it. And there's only 190 yeah, of, of them. That is so much like, that's 2000 times smaller. If my math is right. I think so. Um, I'm terrible at math. So I'm like, like I said, I was an art kid. Yeah. I mean, I should know this, but like, you know, 200 <laughs> bottles compared to 40,000, like sure. We'll do 40 barrels this year, but like, these are not like, you know, limited edition and then 40,000 <laughs> bottles that go to get marked up to a thousand dollars and like sit in collectors. And you got that one right. guy on Instagram that posts like, Oh, I only got 14 this year, like sucky year. And everyone, Shut up, just like, dude, everyone's just like throwing <laughs> up the middle up. finger emoji, but like, you know, <laughs> that's so like, obnoxious, <laughs> like find a different way to love bourbon. Like we're not going to get well yeah. with foolproof. And honestly, we're going to get close, like wilderness trail. We like, like there's so many amazing products. Yeah. We'll just take the whole barrel. It's single barrel. It's barrel proof. It's just for us. And it's going to be not marked up because we don't mark yeah, anything up and you absolutely. have to pay a Patreon to get into the program. Like, like that, that to me, I'm like, okay, like complain about well or 12 if you want, but this is so much cooler. And also you can afford it. And also you can probably buy it. So like, let's, yeah, of course, you know, so many people are ready to get down and like, and I, I get it too. Like people are disappointed at not seeing the products they want day in and day out, but like, let's fix it. Let's just have our own party. Yeah. We'll make it better. And we'll, you know, every now and then people ask me like, when are we going to get a well or foolproof barrel? And I'm like, well, I hope you're not like starting the clock because please, it's going to run for yeah, a while. Please but. don't rest your laurels on whether or not we're going to yeah. pick the one thing that everybody's so in demand for. I usually I ask them, I'm like, I hope you're asking me because you have a connection. Otherwise, this isn't <laughs> happening. And they're like, oh, I don't know anyone at Buffalo Trace. And I'm like, well, it's going to be a long, it's going to be a long day of time. Um, I, I like, have like commentary videos I want to do for YouTube about, <laughs> about things like Weller single barrel picks, foolproof for, you know, do they actually do single barrel picks? Like not foolproof? Like just the what they label with that orange label single barrel, I I think I saw one or two, but I I believe that they were very special. I have not seen like a a mass Weller single barrel barrel pick. They've been Weller foolproof barrels. Yeah, of course. But just talking about and trying to elaborate on the insanity behind brand driven single barrels as opposed to product and quality single barrels that are coming out and even comparing them to, you know, and, and it, this is such a, like, I oh, can get more bang for your buck if you go this way or another, but like even comparing Knob Creek single barrel to bookers, like Knob Creek single barrel is 
eight times out of 10, probably going to be a better product than what you get from a Booker's batch, which I hate to say because I love Booker's, you know, I've been just a fan of Booker's for a long time, but still Knob Creek single barrels are incredible. And they have been even since before they were, you know, 12 to 15 years old when they were nine years old. And now that they're back to nine years old, they're They're still still solid. They're still so good. And Booker's is going down, down, down while the price goes up, up, up. I mean, there, so there was a point. There was like 2014, 2015, like Knob Creek single bars were in a rough spot, but they were brand new. Like they were dialing them in. Yeah. Like 2016, I did 48 Knob Creek single barrels in 2017. Holy moly. Um, Jeez Louise. I mean, and I like got some people involved. Like this was, we called it the Knob Creek. I know, but still that's like, it took time. I've heard people say they've done like, you know, 20 or 25 single barrel picks in a year. 48 freaking ridiculous. That is so far above what I've heard. But I mean, the consensus was like, I had people along for the first 12. I did like another 20 after that. And I racked up 10, like, and then people were like, holy shit, like you're doing this thing. Like, let me send you something. Yeah. I was like, okay, like yeah. let's keep this train rolling. Like I'll have no taste buds by December, but like, here we go. <laughs> um, like there was a couple that weren't like, well, I was like, these are off the mark, but they're still for $43, really yeah. great bourbon. And when the goods were great, they were a plus. And like, yeah, absolutely. at this point, people accuse me like you own stock in Knob Creek. And I'm like, I don't, but like, I probably should have, like, I should have done that years ago. But like, you know, if you got 50 bucks and you want a safe bet every time go buy Knob Creek. Yeah. yeah. Oh no. I, I, I 100% agree. My store pick favorite, sticker or not. That's good. My favorite barrel pick I've been on was my very first one. And it was Knob Creek. And we picked a barrel of bourbon. I kid you not was 12 and a half years old and came out at 121 proof. That's great. They added, they added like a gallon of water to it to yeah. proof it down to 120. And even, even just that gallon of water allowed it to be what we all loved when we actually picked it. I mean, it, it just, it blew my mind at how quality this single barrel was from the get-go. But then once it actually got bottled and it had to be proofed down, it was still amazing. Yeah. Like, I, I wish I had had the money to buy cases of it at the time. <laughs> like, it, it sucks because it's so it, – it, it's, it's, again, what I was talking about earlier. Like, I'm always going to be chasing that single barrel that, you know, I love so much. And, you know, I, one of the things that most people don't have an answer to, but I, I will ask from – time to time uh, about a Knob Creek single barrel is what did it come out of the barrel at proof wise? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because I, I think that's much more indicative of what you're going to get in your glass than the age. Sure. You know, I mean, like if, if somebody picks a single barrel and they're like, this is incredible and it's really, really close to what it's actually going to be bottled at, then that's a, that's a winner. That is yeah. an absolute winner for me. But, you know, and, and this was the fault that Buffalo Trace had for a long time where you were trying everything at cast strength and it was going to be bottled at 90 proof. Yeah. It's going to be <laughs> so frustrating. Like, like, come on, man. <laughs> like, what are we doing here? But they fixed it in, uh, in 2020. So that's the way to go. And like, like, um, 
I, you know, we do a lot of selections now, but the only brand, like, you know, they'll ask me, Hey, how many of this do you want? And the blank check is always Knob Creek. And I'm like, you tell me how many Knob Creek you can get. And like, yeah, we're done. If you can get one, we'll do it. If you can get six, we'll do it. If you can get any number between there, like we'll do it. Just like Knob Creek. I, I just love picking them every time. And I, I never get one that's too far away. Like our, our course marshal, no, the holy moly kind of spinoff was, I think was the highest I've ever seen. And it was 126. So mm. still really close. I've had some yeah. that were like 120.5 where like the attendant like takes their <laughs> cup of water and just like splashes <laughs> it and like, okay, it's, it's good. You know, um, I love it. The whole Knob Creek to me is like a program and a portfolio. And I love the amount of information we get. Uh, just speaks to like, if you're a peak bourbon nerd and also you don't want to spend a hundred dollars on a barrel pick, spend forty three ninety nine on this Knob Creek. Like, boom. Something, something's telling me we need to do a little collaboration pick. Yeah. Especially make, be like, holy moly. That I, I would be all about that. I don't know if, you know, what, what is Jim Beam doing right now with their, their single barrel program? Are you actually going there? Or are you only being sent samples? Um, it's remote right now. I, I should yeah, be okay. there. I should be there later in the year, but right okay. now I'm taking pretty much every remote kit I can get. Well, let's uh, maybe circle back to that sometime in the in the near future. But we, man, we we have already hit like over an hour and a half. Of, We've been cruising. We, we really have. <laughs> like this is my favorite favorite thing with uh, you know really casual interviews is that it doesn't feel like it's been going for for this long and you know we've gotten the chance to drink along together and, and enjoy each other's company but um i i want to i want to give you the opportunity to participate in our tips and bits segment yeah. uh, where we we recommend things and uh, you know it's not it's not always bourbon related i kind of prefer when it's not bourbon related sure almost because then we get to uh we get to kind of flex on what we've been enjoying recently but any tips and or bits for our listeners this week oh man um i will say if you like to be outside and you like to be warm while you're outside the solo stove seems like it's egregiously overpriced but then you will buy one and you will use it and you will see that it's a very very great piece of engineering Hmm. so my tip and bit would be to uh, get rid of that cinder block fireplace. Get a solo stove if you don't like breathing smoke in through your eyes. Um, we used ours huh. for the first time last night. It was like 30 degrees in Wisconsin, so we did the only natural <laughs> thing. And we had a fire, and we sat outside for a while, and it was great. Um, they are expensive. I have no promo code for you. I don't work for them, but yeah, uh, super cool. And I was frankly blown away. And then, you know, sip some bourbon by the fire. That's, oh. I think, a national pastime at this point. One one of my favorite things during quarantine or lockdown or the pandemic or whatever you want to associate it with is just getting to sit out on my back porch. I love it. And just breathe in the fresh air, you know, whether or not there's a fire and we, we have a, not necessarily a fire pit, but a, but a pit where we can, you know, have a, a controlled fire, but, um, it, it, it just is so relaxing and it kind of like resets everything yeah. to mentally where you're just like, all right, <laughs> I don't feel as bad about what's going on in the world. I don't know how you feel um, on a day-to-day basis, like anxiety wise, but you know, like I, I was 
fairly anxious within the first couple of months of, okay. of the pandemic where, you know, I, I needed that, that outside, that outside experience or, or just the, you know, the, the fresh air to kind of calm myself down. So I'm really looking forward to when things warm up over here. Yeah, well. definitely. And for me, like, like I love my porch time. Like I love to grill on the porch. I love to let my dog sniff in the backyard. Mm-hmm. Um, for me, it's like a separation from work. Like I'm really great from separating from my day job, but I do a lot of other things and it's really easy to like clock out of my day job and then go right back into working on something else, you know, for like yeah. Yeah. eight more hours. I look up and it's 11 PM and I should be asleep. So like <laughs> going to my porch, like I have no, sometimes I'll take my computer out there, but if I'm not on call, like, you know, no computer on the porch, like, no work to be done. Just like enjoy the fire, like breathe a little bit. Everything else will be there when you get back inside. But the porch is, it's kind of like my, Man. my like Zen zone. That sounds so nice. I think I might actually have to go out on the porch and enjoy that after Dude, we're done brilliant. recording here. And that's <laughs> and what, and like not to like plug it. the stove again, like I love the solo stove. It comes with a little stand. So like we have our fire pit, like on our Trex porch. Like I'm not going yeah. out of the boonies to get eaten by mosquitoes. <laughs> um, you know, because I'm total suburban, like weekend warrior. Like once yeah, I'm on course. my porch, like I'm kicked back. Once I go back inside, it's back to work. <laughs> but yeah, porch time's the best time. I'll I'll do a uh, I'll do a TV recommendation because I'm still you know I'm oh, on yeah. the the you know the I feel like I'm on the early end of millennials where like we still had a pretty a pretty grounded relationship with television. Sure. You know, like we, it, it's the people who are like, you know, ah, oh, we love Cartoon Network and and uh, Nickelodeon and uh, Disney Channel, DCOMs, you know, of course. Uh, but we have found so much solace and peace in Escape to the Chateau on HGTV. Oh, I love it. It's, it's incredible, man. So it, do you, do you know anything about it? No, I watched, I believe it was the sister show, which was Escape to the Country, which was British okay. families moving to the country. Yeah, yeah. So so this is a British couple uh, who bought a 19th century chateau in France. Oh, man. And it's, Sounds good. It's like their multi-year-long renovation journey. Okay. As they're raising kids, and they're trying to use it as a wedding venue and they're trying to move other members of their family in as well. And what's so satisfying about it too, is that they're not that high strung feeling of American HGTV where it's like, uh, we, we got, we got, we got plenty of cockroaches underneath the floorboards or, you know, we, we got all them, them uh, deer ticks that are hanging out or whatever, but it's like, they see a problem and they're like, yeah, that's what life throws at you. And they deal with it and they move on. Like, that's awesome. And they, and they laugh during it too. Like when, when we get upset about things, we're like, oh, I don't want to have to deal with this. It's going to be the worst thing. But they're like, eh, I have to cut this root out of the ground, but I'm not going to be able to put a trampoline in it afterwards. <laughs> like it's, it's great. It's so enjoyable and it's so relaxing. But I we're it what's funny too is like we're getting the condensed version on American HGTV. Um sure. whereas uh, overseas they're getting, you know, basically like 
six or seven seasons of it. Maybe I might be, I might be exaggerating on that. I apologize, but um, Hefty. like, it, it, yeah, but like it, as, as far as the American series goes, like we're on season one and episode 12 or 13 and it spans five years. So it, it's, it's very fast paced. But I love it. I'll you, check it out. Yeah, but you still feel very connected to the to the family as well. So a, a few weeks ago, I also started listener tips and bits, and I totally just kind of forgot about it a couple of times. Um, but this one, uh, this one comes from Eric Smith. And by the way, if you want to send in your listener tips and bits, it's at my bourbon pod or this is my bourbon shop at gmail.com. Uh, and we will listen to those, not listen, we'll read them and we'll, you know, respond to them here on the show. Uh, anyway, Eric Smith uh, said, hey, Tim Bip, I've got two listener tips and bits. Got to recommend an anime series that's on HBO Max right now, 91 Days. Huh. This is a show focusing on a dude who's trying to get revenge on the mafia for killing his family. The cool part is it takes place during Prohibition. It revolves around him secretly getting close to the mafia by helping them bootleg whiskey around Illinois. Not all anime is just, okay, excuse me. He says, listen, not all anime is just yelling and 50 episodes of a single fight. Look, I know I agree with you. I love Dragon Ball Z though. Like <laughs> I'll watch Dragon Ball Z on repeat, even though it is like 50 episodes of the same fight. And they're like, oh, it only is going to take 30 minutes for the planet to be destroyed. And you're like, yeah, but like you said that 18 episodes ago. What are we what are we doing here, guy? Anyway. Uh <laughs> he said number 2, don't be afraid to pair every bourbon you have with every little Debbie you can get your hands on. Um he did a he did he did a parent a pairing recently and I I apologize. I think it was like a the double chocolate or something a little Debbie cake and I was like what's the best bourbon that goes with it? And it turns out it was Jack Daniel's single barrel barrel proof. I totally ding dong with some JD SIPBP. <laughs> That's actually what I was just drinking right now too. Just so to good. Kind of cap off the night. Huge uh, fan. But he said, "Thank you, Perry and Swan, for always keeping me keeping me entertained, and we appreciate everybody who is always listening to the show, sharing it around, corresponding with us. Of course, I have to now kind of transition my brain into host mode." apparently, as uh, we wrap things up. Thank you all so much for listening this week. Jay, thank you so much for joining me as well. This has been so much fun, and I feel like we could honestly go for another two hours just chatting uh, by ourselves. So maybe we'll have to do something in the future here as well. Yeah, totally. Thanks for having me. It's been a pleasure. The time has flown by. No kidding, Um, man. When when someone drops out and you need someone to burn a couple of hours, just let me know. Yes, absolutely. We'll chat local zeitgeist and it's, get it's, some more movie references under our belt. It's nice to have that because every now and then something you know happens, and I'm like, oh, we need to pick it back up. I can't do this all on my own. But uh, <laughs> Jay, uh, again, really, really so appreciative of you sitting down with me. Where can people find you on social media? Likewise, yeah, um, this has been great. If you are looking for me, I'm at Whiskey Raiders. So Instagram is at Whiskey Raiders, spelled uh, R-A-I-D-E-R-S. If you're looking for uh, reviews, info, we uh, we usually get three to four whiskeys up a day. So quite a lot happening awesome. um, over on the site at WhiskeyRaiders.com. And if you're on Reddit looking for stuff like barrels or just want to say hi and tell me how terrible I did tonight, uh, you can find me at U slash T8 
K-E. Um, I have my own personal stuff, but Whiskey Raiders is the best way to get me. I'm on there all day long, sun up to sundown. And I'm on Reddit at our bourbon. So join us, uh, use the search bar, read the rules, and then dive on in and get posted all your sweet goodness. But Perry, this has been an awesome time. Thanks for your time. Um, everyone out there, I hope the, uh, the site is useful for you. And uh, I've really enjoyed chatting. Absolutely, man. Thank you so much as well. And we'll put links to everything in the description of the episode as well. If you want to follow me, I am at PRater1492 on all social media channels. If you want to follow the show itself, it's at my bourbon pod on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. You can leave us a five-star rating and review on whatever podcatcher app you use. We typically use the Apple Podcast app. Uh, to read those out here on the show. And if you do so, we really do appreciate it. It's a great way for us to grow the community. Search for bourbon on the podcast app. Usually we're like the fourth or fifth that comes up. So we appreciate everybody who is taking the time to do just that. You can find all of our apparel and merchandise at bourbonshop.threadless.com, including but not limited to. And I'm going to keep freaking pushing this until somebody buys one. We got skateboards up there. Like, it's not, it was just kind of an unconscious decision. I was like, yeah, we're going to, we're going to add a skateboard to the shop as well. Uh, so go and check that out. If I don't see a sale by my birthday in August, I think Swan's going to buy me a, <laughs> a skateboard for my birthday. And let me tell you something. I'm not the guy to be trying out a skateboard. <laughs> it's Man. not, it's not my thing at all. <laughs> I, 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 the last time I rode a skateboard, I split my forehead open, but maybe this is the time. Oh, to dive, you should dive talk to, in. you should talk to Swan about that then. Okay. Because that's not an uncommon thing that happened <laughs> between the two of you. Uh, anyway, you can also find our, this is my bourbon drinking glass, Glenn Cairns at, uh, whiskeyambitions.com. Thank you, Chad and Sarah from it. Uh, it's bourbon night. I almost said it's my bourbon podcast, which is not what we're called at all but uh thank you to them uh for allowing us to throw that up over there i go live every thursday night on the youtube channel for the podcast youtube.com slash this is my bourbon podcast at 8 p.m eastern uh let's see what else uh questions or comments to this is my bourbon shop at gmail.com you can send us a voicemail for uh barrel rings which is a very uh, infrequent segment nowadays, but 859-428-8253. Once again, 859-428-8253. You leave us a voicemail over there and we'll listen to it on the podcast and respond to it accordingly. And then last but not least, patreon.com slash my bourbon podcast for as little as a dollar a month. You can come a supporter of the show at $5 a month. You get all of the bonus content, which includes the pregame chats and the last call come out respectively every tuesday and thursday of the week that does it for this week's episode of this is my bourbon podcast once again everybody go follow jay go follow take reviews on uh, social media jay again thank you so much man this has been so much fun likewise have a good one i uh, i appreciate the time and i uh, i expect that i'll see you again soon I oh I've, I've i fully believe that but uh, we'll see you all next week for another episode. But until then, I'm Perry, and this is my bourbon podcast. <laughs>